One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 13 and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids. Jay is seven and Kenny is four. They're pretty gosh darn adorable, aren't they? They are so adorable. We like to tell a little story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are right at the top of every episode just to get it out of the way so the rest of the episode isn't cluttered with mom stuff. So, Deborah, what have your kids been up to? We just finished Thanksgiving. Any fun Thanksgiving stories? I have no fun Thanksgiving stories. I have a snowy day story from this morning. So it's snowing out right now. It is projected to snow from 4 a.m. to 9 p.m. They don't know exactly how much snow we're going to get. The kids went to school, but a couple of years ago before the pandemic, um, there was this really bad snowstorm during the day. School went its regular length. And then in St. Paul, our next door neighbor to Minneapolis, kids were stuck on buses for like hours and hours. So that story haunts me. It hasn't happened to my kids, but Tony does take the bus to and from school. He's going to skip his after school activities today because I told him he should just take the bus home. And then I was like getting him to pack snacks (laughs) in his backpack. And he was like putting like an entire like two pound bag of crisps in his backpack. And I was like, well, I don't think it's going to get that bad. And he was like, but I can share with other kids on the bus. And I was like, okay, yeah. So it felt a little bit like Laura Ingalls Wilder sending my kids off in a blizzard to like the one room schoolhouse that's five miles away, hoping they're going to make it home. I think he's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, stay tuned to this space for an update. (laughs) (laughs) How about your kids? Thanksgiving stories? No Thanksgiving stories, but as of Thanksgiving week, Kenny's collarbone is healed so he can move his arm again. And man, I am so grateful for that because a four-year-old with a broken bone was nigh on impossible and I can't believe we made it through. So little moment of joy for that. Good job. How do they determine that it's healed? Another x-ray? Another x-ray. Yeah. And they show you like all the new bone growth and everything. So it's pretty cool. Were you just like walking feet? Yeah, to like no effect by the end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually it was like, okay, just you can't run, but you can jog. (laughs) And then like the definition of jog just expanded and expanded. Yeah. So yeah, by the end it was like, are we really even doing this anymore? So I'm grateful that it worked out well. All right. Well, we have a little screen time in the news update for you. Uh, We read an article accessed on cbc.ca by Cassandra Skolarski. What do you think? Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, With the headline, Canada's screen time guide stresses quality instead of quantity. 
guys, our neighbors to the north in the Canadian Pediatric Society have ditched formal screen time limits for toddlers and preschoolers. Something that was interesting to read, you know, we talk a lot about the formal American Pediatric Association guidelines saying that kids should be limit to, limited to an hour or under the age of two, limited to zero, and how they progress from there and how that can cause a lot of stress for parents because it seems very rigid and very one size fits all. So Canada, it would seem, is recognizing this fact and focusing on what they call the four M's. Minimizing, (laughs) mitigating, mindful usage, and modeling healthy use of screens. Minimizing is still in there, so there is an element of stress, I would argue, still associated with this. It seems to me kind of like a six of one, half a dozen of the other problem. If promoting a hard and fast one-hour cutoff was stressful to some parents... So they just shrugged and did nothing while simultaneously feeling bad about themselves. Increasing the emphasis on the importance of co-viewing and mindful consumption of educational content seems designed to make a whole different set of parents super stressed out. Right. And still in the crosshairs is that parent that doesn't have supplemental childcare and just needs to get something done around the house. Mm-hmm. Which I guess yeah. is maybe less of an issue in Canada with a more robust uh, public child care system. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this article? I laughed when you read the three M- four M's because I just can't help but think like, what if something like this were released widely in the United States? Like that's too many big words <laughs> for our general public. But Canadians maybe have a better... Uh, standardized education system and they can handle that it I can like poke so I mean I like the aim of this but I can like poke so many holes in it I don't know I I like a time cut off personally because it is measurable because like one person's educational content is another person's junk screen time. Exactly. Exactly. That's what worried me. I don't know if your ears pricked up when you read this quote by Janice Hurd of the CPS Digital Health Task Force. She says, quote, they'll just naturally de- decrease the amount of time their children spend on screens when they recognize that it's not teaching them anything. It's not helping them in any particular way. And for the very small children, it's actually quite harmful. Yeah, that was a bad pull quote. I mean, you need to give people like a, like a measurable thing. Um, Cause they're not, if they're using screen time so that they can like take a shower and their kid can remain safe while the parent is in the shower, we're not evaluating whether or not that's educational. I know, I know like in an ideal world, we're like aware of what our kids are watching. We're in the room with them. We're talking it through, but that is just a bit of an unrealistic expectation. All right. Anything else on screen time in the news? No, but thank you for picking that article. It was good. I did not know about that recommendation. Do you have any follow-up from our last episode or any general news? We took Kenny to the movies. Ooh, was this his first time? Yeah. Oh, fun. It was. Um, 
I was really stressed out, but I forgot the new reality of movie theaters is that all seats are naturally super spaced out from one another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there was at least a three foot radius between everyone, let alone between us and strangers. Um, Nice. So we went to see Strange World. Deborah, what do you know about this movie? It's the new Disney animation release. Yeah, it looks really good to me. I read some, I mean, I put it on our watch list a while ago because it was just in one of those New York Times arts and leisure roundups where they put all the titles and the dates that they're coming out. So it was on my radar from that. Since then, I've heard that uh, the main character is uh, gay. Yes, well, it's a family story. So like the son. Yeah. Okay. And then I've also heard that it's like not really under the radar and um, not been marketed much by Disney. Yeah, totally dumped. I had not even heard that much about this movie. I was vaguely aware that the next Disney animation movie coming out was Strange World, but I had not seen a single trailer for it. I was Mm -hmm. not aware that it was coming out over Thanksgiving weekend. It was just pure happenstance that we happened to be looking and see that it was out did you like it I did surprisingly so because I am never as much of a fan of the Disney non-musicals yeah like I liked Big Hero 6 and I liked Raya and the Last Dragon but they very much lack the repeatability of your Frozens and Encantos and whatnot Mm -hmm. but even more so than the fact that I liked it, Deborah, it feels like it's totally your jam. Like you need nice. to see this movie because it has a strong climate change parable at its heart. Oh, which I think <laughs> would really resonate with you. Yeah. And I wonder if that is part of the reason why it's been so buried because they don't oh. want to dip their toe into any more controversial waters after they dealt with all that backlash with the Don't Say Gay Bill here in Florida and with that's that interesting. 0.2 seconds kiss in Lightyear, I can see maybe them being like, well, this movie is pretty much done, so I guess we'll release it, but let's just not talk about it. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Everything I have heard and read about it has not mentioned that climate change aspect of it. It's really sweet, and I won't spoil any plot elements for you, but I would highly recommend it. It was beautifully done, just very interesting visually. Kenny got a little scared, but Jay was mostly fine. Nice. Did you get popcorn? Oh, so much popcorn. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And Milk Duds, which I was really glad to see because they were strangely missing from the Halloween haul this year. Did we have a national Milk Dud shortage? You know, I don't think I saw milk duds in any of my kids' candy either. Scandalous. Are they an old-fashioned candy now? Oh, man. I hope not. They're so good. Yeah, they are good. <laughs> Let's move on to our reviews. We are doing another lightning round, listeners. It's been a long time since our last lightning round. As we mentioned in our last episode when we covered Pretzel and the Puppies a couple of episodes ago, We had a brief lull when new content wasn't coming out, and that lull has been followed by screen time riches. Mm -hmm. We knew we couldn't possibly spend full episodes covering each new thing, especially the holiday-themed movies and shows, so 
this is our holiday gift to you. <laughs> our first holiday lightning round. And there have been a ton of new non-holiday releases also that we're not covering in this episode, but we are excited for Disenchanted, Slumberland, Wendell and Wild, to name just a few. And just bear with us. We will be covering a lot of new properties in the new year. Katie, do you want to start us off? All right. Well, for this lightning round, I watched A Christmas Story Christmas on HBO Max, which is a new movie sequel to 1983's A Christmas Story. In this continuation of the story, Ralphie returns to Indiana with his kids to celebrate Christmas in his hometown. The original was set in the 1940s, and the new one is set in the 1970s and features the return of Peter Billingsley, the actor who played Ralphie in the original. If you want to hear us talk a lot about A Christmas Story, you should check out last year's episode where we reviewed 8-Bit Christmas with Jules from Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Mm -hmm. I don't want to recover a lot of old territory, but the backstory of the original movie is that it was co-scripted and famously narrated by Gene Shepard, a radio and TV personality of the time. Uh, and he is responsible for that charmingly folksy tone of the original. And the script was based on his semi-autobiographical stories that he had published. So Shepard died in 1999. So A Christmas Story Christmas is narrated by Billingsley, the actor playing Ralphie. And he does like a somewhat credible job at imitating that folksy tone. A Christmas Story is... A favorite for so many people. And I know that like it's not a touchstone for you, Deborah. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it resonates the most with boomers mm -hmm. because the original is a story of a child's Christmas that is set around the time of their childhood. So they mm -hmm. find it really resonant. And I didn't get to watch this new movie with any boomers. But I will be fascinated <laughs> to hear their reactions to it because I wonder if they had the same sort of nostalgia for raising their kids in the 70s as they did for their childhood in the 40s and 50s. Good question. For my part, I kind of thought this version resonated with me a little bit more because I am now at Ralphie's phase of life with raising kids. Mm -hmm. And Part of what the film addresses is the pressure to provide your children with a perfect Christmas, as well as the anxiety and grief associated with aging and dying parents, which is a little heavy. That's not to say the tone of the movie is heavy at all. Of course, there are some cheap callbacks to the original, but there were some truly great only in the Midwest moments, Deborah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, there is a cheap but satisfying recurring gag about casseroles. See what mm. I did there with the cheap but mm -hmm. satisfying? That was me. Um, <laughs> and there's a wonderful, wonderful scene in which Ralphie's son not only gets to sit at the bar with his dad, but then is brought behind the bar to help sling drinks. And I was nice. like, yep, feels right. That's Wisconsin. Yep. <laughs> I'm curious about the possible accusations of wokeism. I don't know if you remember this. We talked a little bit about it with Jules. The fact that the original mm -hmm. movie revolves around the fact that Ralphie really wants a BB gun. Mm -hmm. And how absurd he finds the adult's concern that he might shoot his eye out. Mm -hmm. So there is none of that in this movie. His son does not want a BB gun for Christmas. He wants a sled. 
And all of the fight scenes or even the imagined fight scenes that Ralphie has in his still very active imagination, they involve snowballs. So there's no guns. There's no shooting. Honestly, it felt like, why? Because Mm -hmm. there is no world in which a person would sit down to watch this movie without a familiarity with and an affection for the first one. Right. So if the gun were really a concern, you wouldn't even be getting to step two. Right. Despite those quibbles, it was a surprisingly heartwarming movie. I was really not looking forward to watching it. And uh, I was ultimately glad that I did. I don't think it merits the annual rewatch that A Christmas Story gets for a lot of people. But it is an interesting companion piece. As far as your kids are concerned, they will find little to like in this movie if they don't already <laughs> know and love the original. Because sure. That's really where the foundation lies. Right. Do you want to rate each one as we go? Sure. Gosh. Um, four? Okay. Yeah. It was it was pretty pretty solidly enjoyable hour and a half of television. It didn't overrun. Nice. All right. Do you want to take us through the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Yes. <laughs> I felt very unqualified to watch this one, but then it made me think, well, I'm a good test person to watch this because I don't know. Like, I can tell if this, like, stands alone as a good thing because I haven't watched very many, if any, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So it's a 40-minute special on Disney+, Plus, written and directed by James Gunn who directed the Guardians movies, and it's starring much of the original cast. It came out on November 25th, and in the short film, the Guardians take on a new member of the team and struggle with how to celebrate Christmas with Quill while he is still grieving Gamora's death. So honestly, the best part about this was, for me, the runtime. It's like (laughs) 45 minutes total with like the credits at the end. And that's a great, like you can watch it on a school night and not have your whole evening rocked. You could watch it and not stay up way past bedtime. And it was like a decent-ish Christmassy thing. It was, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a Marvel. Decent-ish Christmassy thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not a Marvel head. So I thought I would be pretty lost in terms of the characters and plot, but I could follow along. So it starts with an animated scene. And I did like the little blend of like, there's a few animated scenes. The rest is like live action. So some blue faced Marvel guy just kills Christmas for all the guardians forever because he has this like toxic masculinity attitude toward Christmas because he thinks like Christmas is girly oh it's really weird so then nobody gets to celebrate Christmas but then these other two characters Mantis and Drax do these mean anything to you Mm -hmm. do you know who these people are okay Mm -hmm. so they decide that they need to celebrate Christmas for Chris Pratt's character he's Peter Quill right Mm -hmm. yeah So they go on this mission to Earth to find Kevin Bacon because they think that he is the one who can really bring the Christmas spirit to the Guardians up in their space area. Go ahead. Can I ask a question? 
<laughs> is Kevin Bacon playing himself? Or is yes. he? Yes. Oh, I love this so much. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and like a funny bit is like he keeps getting calls from Kira Sedgwick, his wife, and talking to her. Like, I'm sure she's not actually on the other end of the line, but it was a fun, it's, I don't know what it's called. It's not a cameo because his role was very integral to the plot, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a fun bit for me. But it did make me wonder, like, do kids know who Kevin Bacon is? Like, they made some jokes about Footloose. I don't know. I think this is really geared towards like elder millennials and younger Gen X people than it was to anyone who's a who's a kid or a teenager. That feels so Um, right. That feels so right. The costumes and makeup were totally spectacular. I loved them. Mantis had like, I don't know how they do the eyes, but it's like contacts or something like she really looked like she had bug eyes. The soundtrack was really good. There are some original songs by a band called the old 97s who sound kind of like an Elvis Costello cover band almost and Kevin Bacon plays with them uh there was also some other Christmas tunes by like popular from our youth bands like there's a Smashing Pumpkins (laughs) Christmas tune in there um one of the characters gets a Game Boy as a present you know which is it just made me think like I am the target audience for this like Tony and my younger kids are not going to get these references. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of your kids watching, there was like a scene that I found very disturbing because it involved police violence. It felt formulaic and kind of uncreative. Like I think the characters could have been placed in a perilous situation that didn't involve like police shooting at them. Um, Because then it's wrapped up in like a trying to be humorous way. And Mm. it's just, I didn't care for it, but I'm on the like radical side of wokeness, I guess. We're maybe at Uh, the wrong moment in history for those gags. Yeah. Okay. I thought while I was watching both of uh, the movies that I watched for this about like the message about Christmas and the message in this is really the like, Christmas is about presents. (laughs) That was it. It was about showing your love for other people by giving them gifts, which isn't wrong. Like in the United States, that is how we celebrate Christmas. That is the main media message about Christmas is like all the sales and the shopping and the gifting and stuff. But there was nothing. I didn't expect it to be like, about like the birth of Christ or whatever, but I did expect it to be a little bit (laughs) more um, going. Like I wanted like a callback to the original scene where they're like, Christmas is all about feelings and we're not going to do that. I don't know. You wanted a little bit more Whoville in the whole situation. I mean, it did end on a kind of a sentimental note, but it was all through this exchange of material objects and no yeah no Cindy Lou Who singing uh even though all the roast beast was taken away (laughs) this is really funny because I feel like just in the way these worked out with this lightning round that I got all the boomer projects and you got all the Gen X elder millennial projects (laughs) yeah I don't know how that happened (laughs) 
So does it make you at all curious about the existing Guardians films? I think there have been two and there's a third on its way, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I liked the characters, like the actors who played the Guardians were really fun to watch. And like I said, the cost, I mean, it was worth it to watch it just for the like costumes and makeup. Mm-hmm. I always think of those movies as too scary, but my kids are totally old enough to handle it at this point in their lives, I think. Yeah, we should shoot a message to Brie and see where the Guardians fall on like her kids' pantheon of Marvel movies. I thought about her when I was watching this and I wondered if she and her kids were excited about it or not. I would give this four stars. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Do you want me to move on? Sure. Okay. So speaking of Boomer Christmas projects, uh, the second thing I reviewed is the six episode limited series on Disney Plus, The Santa Clauses. The first two half-hour episodes dropped on November 16th, and the following four episodes are released weekly. I watched the first three, which was all that was available as of now. This is, as you may have guessed, a continuation of the story from the Santa Claus films, which were released in 1994, 2002, and 2006, starring Tim Allen as Santa and later Elizabeth Mitchell as Mrs. Claus. Wow. I think it's an understatement to say that the first episode had me really worried. Oh, no. Because Tim Allen has kind of a rep at this point. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of aging into crabby old man territory, which is yeah. fine. I yeah. bet we're all going to get there. Basically, the first episode, Santa is settled into his role in the North Pole. And he and Mrs. Claus have two teenage kids. Speaking of which, he's too old to have two teenage kids. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they have a good rapport with the elves, but something is starting to bother Santa about Christmas. His magic is faltering, and it's because kids just don't believe like they used to, and there is a super cringeworthy exchange with an elf about how no kids can be on the naughty list anymore because they have... And listeners, I'm using super exaggerated scare quotes with my scare quotes with my fingers. <laughs> they have excuses like ADHD. Oh. So yeah, essentially Santa's complaining that the world is too woke and we're making excuses for naughty kids now. And that's all things like ADHD are. Oh my gosh, who wrote this? <laughs> or, well, I guess it's a show, so it's a team of people. Yeah. And he goes to revisit some kids that he really liked during his early Santaing years, only <laughs> to find that they're still living in their parents' houses, sleeping on their parents' couches because they don't want to work. Oh my gosh, it's because rent is too much. <laughs> so oh no. That had my hackles up. That first episode yeah. definitely did. And I am so thankful that they pivoted away from that angle in the subsequent two episodes. And I really, really hope they don't go back to it. Because, you know, Santa struggles with a decision to retire. He breaks the news to his family and he's searching for a successor. So all those plot elements kind of come in to overtake this whole concern with woke Christmas. They never use the phrase woke Christmas. There are definitely some germs of interesting stories here, which I was not expecting to find. (laughs) So Santa and Mrs. Claus thought that they were raising their kids in kid paradise, right? The North Pole, lots of Mm -hmm. fun, elves, toys, candy every day. 
But their kids are totally weird, and the Claus parents are just starting to grapple with their roles in making their kids so totally weird, which is a fun angle, right? Mm -hmm. All right. And then there's this whole other thing with Mrs. Claus where, you know, her husband lost his identity to become Santa. She has lost her identity to become Mrs. Claus so thoroughly that she doesn't remember her first name. And she has started wearing her hair in like a grandma bun and like little circular spectacles, even though like she's Elizabeth Mitchell, she's still young. Mm -hmm. So she's gradually beginning to wonder what became of her actual personality and question what she gave up to make her life in the North Pole. Another super interesting potential angle. Right? That sounds really interesting. Are there any movies that center Mrs. Claus? I really don't think there are. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. All right, more. Are you ready? Mm hmm. Yes. The elves are played by children, but they're not children. And forgive me if I don't know all the elf lore because I'm not super up on the original movies, <laughs> but they're either eternal or they live really long lives. Mm hmm. So the two head elves are actually married, and their rapport is super adorable as they balance their love for one another with their intense, intense commitment to their jobs, all while being played by actual children. And one of these children is Matilda Lawler from Station Eleven. Oh, I love her. Yeah, so it goes without saying that she's great. I'll just say it. I'll say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And her husband is played with delightful enthusiasm by a boy that I had never seen before in anything. His name is Devin Bright. And forgive my dad joke as I say that he shines brightly in this role. (laughs) (laughs) So that is another interesting angle, you know, elf interactions among their culture. Last one I will point out. One of Santa's potential successors is played by Cal Penn, a game designer and a single dad. A person of color as Santa? What an amazing opportunity to address the entrenched role that whiteness plays in our concept of Santa, in our concept of Christmas. Mm -hmm. It would just be a really fascinating thing to address that they do not address at all, at least not in these first three episodes. Okay. I worry that any depth we could have been given to these storylines is going to be ignored because, again, there are only three episodes left Mm -hmm. and we need to make a lot of room for like Tim Allen antics, which makes me kind of sad, though it doesn't have to be all bad because when you think about it, like the concept of someone who's been Santa readjusting to life in the real world Yes, that could be funny on its face as well. So there's Mm -hmm. room there for good stuff. I just hope they go in that direction and they don't return to the cranky old man world. Last thing I'll say. Many, many people love the Santa Claus franchise. Deborah, how do you feel about the Santa Claus franchise? I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. So I I can't really speak to it anymore. I had only ever seen the first one. I saw it when Mm -hmm. it came out and... I didn't even realize until I was chatting with my brother-in-law over Thanksgiving that there even was a third movie. Yeah, I didn't know. If these movies are a part of your holiday tradition, I don't think there's any reason why you won't like this. Mm -hmm. But as far as your kids go, I think it's really important that they have a similar fondness for the movies too. Because again, Santa's kids are teenagers. The elves, yes, are played by children, but they're behaving like adults. 
there's very little for younger kids to latch onto, I would say, without that grounding in the original movies, which makes me feel like I'm repeating myself. But there you go. It's true of both things I've reviewed today. I definitely can't rate this as high as a Christmas story Christmas. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as bad as I was worried it was going to be. I guess I'll give it a three. Look at me being all Christmassy and generous. I do like the idea of a Christmas show, like a sort of a mini series, because um, we have tons and tons of movie length films about the mm-hmm. holiday. It does help that we have this built in anticipation period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like it feels like a natural fit for a series. And I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been done before. Yeah, totally. Um, and now I remember why you ended up with the Boomer properties. It's because when we were texting to decide who would watch what, I was like, Tim Allen, ew. <laughs> <laughs> so you got stuck with it. Thank you. You're are welcome. you are you going to finish it out, do you think? Are you invested enough in the first three to keep watching? Ooh, so slightly so. And my kids have no grounding in the movies, so I just don't know if it'll work out time-wise. I'm not completely opposed to the idea, but we're not going to rush to do it. You can always read like one of the TV recaps. Yes. All right. Can I talk about Spirited now? Please. I'm very excited. Okay. So Spirited is an Apple TV Plus musical starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. I think you can also see it in the theaters. Ooh. The redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge was not a one-off. The spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet to come visit one horrible perp per year to show them the error of their selfish ways. And the plot, big question is, what happens when they attempt to redeem the unredeemable PR executive played by Ryan Reynolds? So I claimed this one right out of the gate because I love Will Ferrell. He's one of my favorites. He's the star of my all-time favorite holiday movie, Elf. And I also love A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And I have not watched this since I was a kid, but I loved Bill Murray's adaptation or the adaptation starring Bill Murray when I was a kid. So I guess I'll always watch A Christmas Carol adaptation. Um, I thought this particular movie was really clever and and smart because it's so hard to make an old story that's already been adapted like hundreds of times feel fresh. But I feel like the... Uh, filmmaker really achieved it here um it helped that I I had watched a preview of it but I hadn't realized it was a musical so I was like pleasantly surprised the music in this is very integral to the storytelling it's just like the story like you couldn't take away the songs and have the plot go the same way it goes unlike like we've watched some like that Cinderella one uh-huh. where there are it's a musical, but like the songs have nothing to do with the plot. This is like the songs were definitely written to drive the plot forward. And there is a ton of choreography. I think that you'll really like this. There is tons of tap dancing, Aww. which is something we don't get to see very often. Yeah, they, the cast is incredible. Like Will Ferrell could just like sit in front of a camera and I would probably watch him and laugh. (laughs) Uh, But I liked him. Ryan Reynolds is really a good comedic actor. Tracy Morgan is in it. He voices the ghost of Christmas future. Um, Octavia Spencer is in it. She plays uh, somebody who's really sold out to a corporation, but then she gets like a change of heart and she and Will Ferrell 
our like love interests. Oh, which I love. Sunita Mani plays the ghost of Christmas present. And I recognized her, I think, from uh, an episode of Scenes from a Marriage. She's also been on Mr. Robot. And she's been on a bunch of other shows and movies that I haven't seen. So the plot is, I mean, all A Christmas Story adaptations follow the same plot. Like somebody redeems themselves. But there's a twist that I didn't expect that made the ending really, like I said earlier, felt fresh. And it was um, very sad, like a satisfying ending. Uh, the rating is PG-13 and there is there are some swears, which my kids loved, <laughs> but they're nine and 13. Um, and there are some adult scenes that like allude to sexy time between Sunino Mani's Ghost of Christmas Present and Ryan Reynolds' character. But <laughs> I... I don't know that I don't know if my kids caught on, but it was a little bit it I don't think it's appropriate for like real little kids. Uh, but definitely fun for the whole family if the kids are older. And of course, it's a Christmas carol. So the message about holiday time and Christmas is that it's a time to reflect on your morality, your generosity, your kindness towards your fellow human beings so I appreciated that timeless holiday message it's not about the stuff you get do you think if you weren't such a fan of Dickens Christmas Carol and you hadn't shared it in so many different ways with your kids that they would have still enjoyed the movie I don't know how they would not get a Christmas Carol content I don't know because we've watched I don't know I guess if you were if you had never heard of a Christmas Carol there were some things that might be confusing. I think the movie assumes a base level understanding of the original plot okay. that you probably do need in order to enjoy it. Not that I think Kenny is ready for a Ryan Reynolds movie yet, but um, he does get scared every time we try to watch a Muppet Christmas Carol at the Jacob Marley scene. So we pretty much mm -hmm. cut it off right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I just have to ask to put you on the spot. Is there a Dickens adaptation that you prefer with your kids? Like, do you, have you read them the real thing? Is there one that they re revisit every year? Uh, I think we tried to read the original and the language was just too old fashioned. This was maybe a couple years ago. Honestly, I think that the like the there's like a, I want to say like a Donald Duck one. Oh, now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I think you might be right. I'll seek that yeah. one out. Yeah. And that's not too, I mean, it's, it's like a Disney, it's old, but it's like a Disney cartoon. Gosh, I don't know if it's Mickey Mouse or maybe it's all well, of it's them. Well, it's got to be Uncle Scrooge, right? Because wouldn't that yeah. be where he got his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's a good one. It's not too okay. scary because it's cartoons. Excellent recommendation. Yeah. And it uh, sticks pretty closely to the plot. Yeah. It's not like a wild trying to really inject contemporary culture into the timeless tale gotcha uh sorry i derailed you there do you have a rating for spirited oh hey i loved this one especially with the like costumes and the music and the dancing and the funniness i would give it a five do you think that there's any chance that people in the future will know will ferrell from this christmas movie instead of elf oh my gosh probably not that's like <laughs> one of his iconic 
iconic roles, right? Right. All right. Well, I'm excited to watch it, especially now that I know there's tap dancing. (laughs) All right, listeners. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. If you enjoyed our show today, please share it with someone you think might enjoy it too. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyScreenTime2 or send an email to MyScreenTime2 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our website is MyScreenTime2.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. You'll see one more new episode from us this month. Before we take a short winter break to organize our massive watch list for 2023. Until then, we wish you many joyful holiday family movie nights and a general avoidance of all Elf on the Shelf content. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to and sometimes because we like to. Bye! Bye! Bye.